Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to Bravo Happy Hour. I'm your host, Megan O'Donnell. Grab yourself a drink and join me while I break down the week in Bravo TV news. Hello, everybody. Welcome to part five through 49 of the Real Housewives of DC recap. I am here today with Bravo Happier's international correspondent, Jasper. Welcome back. Hello again. We are here to talk about what we are all, what we have all been waiting for, which is the state dinner. (laughs) Drum roll. So we are currently at episode nine called Party Politics. And again, if you guys haven't listened back to parts one through four, go back and listen to that. And also today, if you happen to be listening on Friday, May 22nd, the Real Housewives of DC is going to be airing on Bravo today, starting at 6 a.m. And we'll go through all the reunion episodes. So it's a great way to watch it. So you don't have to spend $25 to watch it on Amazon. Like, (laughs) this is a slug. So definitely check that out um, if you're watching today. So the episode begins with the Salahis in the back of another stretched limo. This time it was a black limo, I believe. And ah, see, this time they were a little classy. Yeah, I know. The white limo really was not doing them any favors uh, for their <laughs> class level. So the two of them were in the back of the car. She's all dolled up in her sari, which I did find out that the Salahis were going to try to make a Barbie doll that looked like Mikhail in the red sorry, which is not like, which is the funniest cultural appropriation. Like all of the amazing, beautiful (laughs) Indian women who have worn saris in the past don't get a Barbie, but Mikhail gets one. (laughs) Right. As if Mattel would like make a Salahi Barbie. Right? Like, cause what child wants to emulate like a (laughs) grifting, anorexic, you know, delusional woman and her bullshit husband <laughs> i'm sorry uh, okay I'm, I'm starting off on a good note i'm already shaming her weight so i mean we'll get there through the reunions so in the backseat of the car they are so excited they're talking about how they obviously don't have the physical invitation which was a point of contention is this a physical invitation that they've been talking about or is this invitation they're talking about via email there was the whole debate at the salon where the lady was like so did you get the invite and she's like we don't have it we forgot it it's like well was there an invite? <laughs> well, no. Well, clearly there wasn't. <laughs> we all know there wasn't. <laughs> they wouldn't be but testified that, in Congress. Right? 
that limo ride was, uh, it was, it was scary because they, you can see, you can tell they knew what they were doing. There was such underlying stress you could like see on their faces and everything. And then they, they called Stacy, didn't they, on the way there. And we're like, oh my God, we're going to dinner and whatever. And I was like, they were planting all those seeds to make it look like, no, we are invited, but they knew they weren't. Yeah, and even like calling Stacy who was so shocked on the other end when she said, well, Tim McCain and all of these, you know, influential politicians weren't able to get tickets yet. You two were, and they were like, yep. It's just like, who, you know, it was a last minute thing. And had they been properly invited, you would tell your friends about this major event that you're getting invited to. And this like milestone in Obama's presidency. Exactly. And like, it was a last minute thing. Yeah, it's, it's, the White House was like, oh, we need to fill two chairs. Um, let's call, well, let's, yeah, I don't know. Oh, the Salais will do. Let's invite them. <laughs> and like, you need to get accredited. Now, what's the word? To like be invited to stuff like that. And you have to have a background check and everything. Oh, like, um, last minute. <laughs> you need to be vetted. Yeah. <laughs> I, so I was reading Cirque du Salahi and the email exchanges between Michelle Jones, who was supposedly the person who they were emailing back and forth with about getting tickets to the event. It was so funny and so desperate. So the emails kind of stated that Tark was like, hey, can we get tickets to this? And she's like, hey, not really sure what I could do, but I'll keep you in mind. And so Michelle and Tark had known each other prior because she once went to like the America's Polo Cup event as Obama's representative. She basically said up front, like, hey, you guys aren't going to get invited to the dinner portion, but you can come to the arrival ceremony. Fast forward to the morning of, it's raining, so they they decided that the arrival ceremony is going to be super small and indoors rather than, like, a big hoopla outside. So she basically was like, hey, you guys are definitely not getting in because it's even smaller and it's even more of a intimate event. A couple days before, Tarek and Mikhail were reached out to by some, I guess, law firm who were doing like the background checks for the people. And they were like, hey, can you send Tarek and Mikhail's social citizenship and full name? So I think for them, that was like their, we're in, they're asking for our information, but never really got like a confirmed invite or confirmation. A couple days before, she says, Hi, Tarek. Hopefully I can get tickets for the arrival ceremony. The state dinner is completely closed. As you know, I will be in contact. What's the best way to reach you? Blah, blah, blah. And Tarek's response is like, the best way to reach me is my direct cell. And then she says, we are honored to take part of the arrival ceremony. So even his response implies that she confirmed that it was definitely a thing when she would yeah. hopefully. Hopefully was the first word in the paragraph. <laughs> <laughs> He then emails Michelle the day before. So it's Monday, November 23rd, saying, hey, hope you had a great weekend. In prep for tomorrow, do you know what time we should be there and which entrance we should go to? Are you attending tomorrow's events as well? She says, I'm still hoping I can get tickets for the arrival ceremony tomorrow. They do have your info in the event that any extra tickets become available. It will notify me immediately. Still haven't given up, but it doesn't seem likely. Bold. (laughs) I have your number. If there is a opening, I'm calling Mikhail now. So I've been trying to reach out to everyone I can to get them in. And then following up, 
I think this is, yeah, like 33 minutes later. He then sends an email with the subject, urgent state dinner slash India versus USA World Championships will be hosted in Washington, D.C. 2020. So he says, hi, Michelle, thanks. The U.S. and India's America's World Cup Championship will be will be what is recognized as the most significant cultural sporting event between the United States and India, saying strengthening, you know, this is my favorite phrase, strengthening the bilateral relationship that we share. Like, again, Tark, you've done nothing for the U.S. and India to be on good terms, which, like, were we on bad terms? I have no idea. I'm dumb. <laughs> right. <laughs> Who knew we needed to strengthen that relationship so deeply through Tarek? So he knew things he, nobody else knew. <laughs> so he then sends like an email. He sends a link to the front page story in the Telegraph talking about the event. He goes, you know, it's critical how these cultural games are bringing the nations together, implying that like, look at this amazing thing I'm doing for the bilateral relationship between India and the United States. So this is why I should get invited to the state dinner that's honoring um, some Indian diplomat or whatever. Then <laughs> she, Michelle doesn't respond. And then wait, I love they have timestamps. I love a shady timestamp. Six minutes later, <laughs> he responds in the other email thread, not the one he started about the Indian uh, polo match, whatever, saying, hi, Michelle. This is the most embarrassing thing I've ever heard a grown man do in my whole life. Hi, Michelle. By the way, I know for a fact these persons are unable to attend the state dinner and the reception portion. One, Senator Harry Reid and his wife, parentheses, they have gone home early for Thanksgiving. Two, Kuma Gupta and husband, parentheses, unable to travel to D.C. tomorrow. Three, Bob Stevens and his wife, parentheses, top brass from Lockheed Martin. Cheers, Tarek. Like, you are such a petty little schoolgirl. Like, (laughs) crazy. But also, how does he know that those people aren't coming? He probably, like, locked them all in a basement of Oasis and was like, they physically can't come. No one knows where they are. (laughs) Possibly. And then, like, uh, so they really thought they can get in there because six people aren't coming, so it won't be a problem, even without an invitation. They were like, look, there are six empty seats. <laughs> and we're the first people you guys will reach out to. Duh. And we'll put down our napkins on those chairs. <laughs> people think we've always been there. She responds, let's see, I'm not good at mental math. 15 minutes later, saying, thanks for the names. This will also help. Being like, motherfucker, <laughs> like... It is the night before, and you don't think Michelle Jones has shit to do other than, you know, respond to his little bitchy little email. Right. So then at 8.46 in the morning, Michelle reaches out saying, the arrival ceremony was canceled due to inclement weather. They're having a very small one inside the White House with very limited space. I'm still working on getting tickets for tonight's dinner. I will call or email as soon as I get any word one way or another. So... That's again at 8.46. And you know, it took Mikhail seven hours in hair and makeup and they arrived at the (laughs) event at 6.30. So let's just like, they're probably like en route to the salon at this point when they're like, okay, we still don't know it. But Mikhail, just in case, let's do an eight hour glam session. Kyle Richards would be so mad. (laughs) Oh my God. She would be furious. (laughs) But also, what did Tarek do 
in those seven hours. Because he went to the salon with her. You'd think he would have gone home to find the invitation, you know, in those right? 45 hours where he could have been doing something. Uh, so then, you know, time moves on, whatever, fast forward, fast forward. Then they don't hear from Michelle anymore. No contact with her after she basically says, <laughs> you can't come in. So they show up at the event and this is what we're kind of seeing on screen now. So they show up and they go to the wrong gate and then they have to then walk around and to the correct gate. And at this point, like they have a full camera crew following them in the book. It implies that there was like a makeup artist, like running behind them, like powdering their nose. And even on the show, you see like one moment where like the white house security was like, okay, you guys have to go. You have to go. And there's like people scurrying out of the (laughs) limo. And obviously some of it's production, but you know, yeah. Mikhail and them had like a makeup person to do like touch ups for Obama. <laughs> <laughs> and then, like, when they get to the gate, and like the woman, the security guard, she can't find their names on the list. And Mikhail is like, oh, it's often spelled Michael, happens all the time. And like, trying all this chit chat to make it look, everything look normal. Well, it's another situation of the two of them being like, our name's not on the list, probably because hers is spelt wrong. Hmm, probably. It must be because of that. But then the woman even lets them through to the next gate because she's like, yeah, I have other things to do. And like, yeah, just go over there and they might have you on the list. Yeah, she was then, pretty And then also, Mikhail says, oh my God, we're early. I found that really weird as well because she was like, oh, we're early. That's great. I was like, well, you have to be on fucking time for a White House event. (laughs) You can come late. I mean, the audacity between the two of them just strolling on in is pretty ridiculous. And it like they were dressed as the part and had a camera crew behind them. So I could understand where like the first gatekeeper was like, Clearly, they know about this event. They look like they're supposed to be here. They're dressing the part. They've got a camera crew, so maybe they're somebody's. Little do they know they're the biggest nobodies. But <laughs> it, was, it was shocking that they let them through. And then at that point, we, like, <laughs> the editing just, like, fades into darkness. <laughs> and then we start seeing um, press from the day after. And so... What was exposed in the book was really interesting. So they get to the event, they get inside, they take a million pictures with Joe Biden and Obama and I think Katie Couric, Rahm Emanuel, and her picture with Biden looked like they just like had sex on a yacht and like they were taking like a gorgeous picture after her hand is on his back and on his chest. I'm like, you guys look like a steamy, gorgeous couple who just got, like, who's living the best life when you're actually Mikhail Salahi and, you know, the vice president at the time and now literally potentially our future president. I mean. Fingers crossed. <laughs> let's, let's wait and see. I'm not me. No comment, but. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, we know from the first episode that she's a hugger, so clearly she would hug 
everyone there and make it look like they're old friends and stuff. Right? Like, well, that's actually not a dumb idea to pretend and say, yeah, you're a hugger, you're a hugger. And then you can use those photos and act like, yeah, oh my God, we're the best friends for like 12. <laughs> well, there was a moment in the limo before they got out where they were talking and she was like, I wonder how close we're going to be able to get to people. And she literally says, well, I don't think I'm going to be able to hug anyone. Like, she knows that her first inclination is just immediate <laughs> hug. Immediate hug, especially with strangers. Strangers love that. <laughs> and then, like, when they're looking at the pictures, it's so weird and like the way they're talking about uh he was such a nice guy uh, it was such a good event it was really weird how they recapped their own night so it kind of seemed like they were there in the beginning probably for the arrival ceremony makes sense got their pictures there and i think they were also excited that they were early because they probably were able to access some of these people where other guests who were actually invited and aren't yeah. star fuckers didn't need to like show up a minute like you know 30 minutes earlier or whatever to make sure they get their pictures because they're probably used to running in circles like that and they're not as you know impressed so the whole situation that michelle was talking about on in the book and throughout the emails was that they were invited to the I mean, loosely invited to the arrival ceremony, but not to the <laughs> dinner itself. So then Mikhail and Tarek then come up with this half-baked idea. Well, at least the way they kind of explained it was that they were sitting or they were at the event, about to sit down for the dinner, and Mikhail hadn't had any food that day, and her MS started to flare up. So she started feeling dizzy and started not feeling well. And so she went to the bathroom and was getting feeling really dizzy and, you know, was like, I have to go. I have to go. And then that's where her knight in shining armor, Tarek, took her out of the event and took her home because, you know, he really wanted to take care of her. When I think the reality of the situation was there was no seat for them. And the way. Yeah, and they were about to get caught. (laughs) Yeah, they were about to get caught and the gig was up. I do like during the reunion where. Mikhail was talking about like the menu itself and she's like we didn't stay for the dinner because I don't like lentil soup it's yeah right (laughs) okay yeah sure you leave in a state dinner because you didn't like the food lentil soup isn't the most glamorous of soups so I am kind of shocked that they would do it but maybe oh actually wait no now that I'm thinking lentil soup like lentils are a huge like base of Indian cuisine. So maybe they were doing paying some yeah. sort of, like homage to Indian cuisine. But I do have to read the whole menu because I love menu shaming. <laughs> so to start the evening, there was an eggplant salad and on White House arugula, which amazing. And also it shows all of the wine choices. And you know Tarek was like DL upset that Oasis Finger didn't <laughs> cater the wine and i say that in quotations because again he just re-bottles carlo rossi like 14.99 for a (laughs) gallon of wine and puts them in oasis (laughs) jars so after the eggplant salad there's a red lentil soup with fresh cheese delish and then we get a roasted potato dumpling with fall vegetables also very interested in this and actually i'm seeing here it's all most of them yeah, there's no, obviously there's no beef because Indians don't eat beef or some of them don't. Thanks, family karma, uh, for teaching me <laughs> all of my new Indian info. Thank you. 
Um, <laughs> such a dick. <laughs> so they actually could choose between the dumplings or the green curry prawns with a caramelized salsify, which I think I would do. I have the prawns. I would yeah. have the prawns too. And it also comes with a coconut aged basmati rice. Yum. Mm. And that comes with a Beek Beckman Vineyards Grenache, which I do love a Grenache. So I would do the prawns. <laughs> this is some hard hitting journalism we're doing right here. <laughs> I'll take the prawns. <laughs> and then to end the dinner is a delicious dessert with a pumpkin pie tart or a pear tatine. Or maybe the tart comes with a tatine. I don't know. I'm not Ooh. I'm not fancy. Well, I know what I'll be cooking tomorrow. <gasps> Wait, we should cook this entire meal <laughs> to pay full homage to the 2009 right. state dinner. <laughs> <laughs> People... Simpler times. <laughs> oh my and pair God. it with a bottle of Whispering Angel. Oh, oh my God. Of course. I wish I had Whispering Angel right now. Should I drink? It's 10 minutes to 12. I feel like... Well, I mean, I'm over here in Germany. It's almost 6 p.m., so clearly it's already cocktail time. All right, fuck it. It's my day off. Don't mind my Cheers. <laughs> so I'm drinking a Dear Mom Oregon white wine Ooh. for the girl with... Uh, I, I can't even make a joke. <laughs> that was not funny. But a girl... That has nothing. Dear mom, what uh, Tark will be writing to his mother in jail in a couple years. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. He calls his mom by her first name, Corinne. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay. Cheers. So, cheers. Well, it's actually, speaking of Corinne, just another little tidbit moment in Cirque du Salahi. They did like a whole smear campaign of uh, Corinne and all of the bad things she's done. She supposedly locked Mikhail in a cellar for three hours in the vineyard, which, like, kind of, to me, feels like Mikhail accidentally got herself locked in, couldn't right. get herself out, and then was like, your mom did it. <laughs> like, right. Or maybe she was there with Corrine, and she was like, hold on, I'm going to try and get another uh, key. <laughs> left to find the key, and then turned to it into, she locked me in there. <laughs> God. Then there was also horrible people. Just the worst. The Surgeon's Law. He was a, the a, the worst book I've ever read, and <laughs> I've read some pretty trash novels. I read like all of the Fifty Shades of Grey. Like I read all of Twilight. Like it's it's bad. Then there was another video of her threatening employees with a hammer. <laughs> like supposedly there's video footage of like Corinne threatening with a hammer. That does sound scary when an old lady runs after you with a hammer. And then they said the, the harshest of all the things she did was removing Mikhail from the health insurance policy from Oasis Vineyards. Yet she knew she had MS. And I just want to say, you get health insurance through your employer when you work for them. <laughs> Period. Health insurance costs a lot of fucking money and it's one of the biggest issues. I mean, this the last four parts of this episode, of this, recap has basically been a healthcare reform podcast but like insurance is very expensive for the employer so it's not surprising when you know her husband is bankrupting the company and the mom is like we have to cut costs at any at any way that we possibly yeah. can so we're gonna cut mikhail from our insurance <laughs> we shouldn't be oh laughing my at God. That. so at this point state dinner is done all of the drama is really finished so now we move into the aftermath so 
because the two of those fools immediately went home and posted a thousand photos on Facebook, people started talking about what was going on. And rumors started to go around that the two of them weren't actually invited and that they were crashing. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> so the picture with Joe Biden, I think, really made people feel like uncomfortable and like, how are they here and how is this happening? So a gossip columnist was saying that they crashed the party and the two of them are then having a conversation. I don't remember where this exactly was. But Tarek had this shit-eating grin on his face when he was like, this gossip columnist is implying that the two of us crashed the party. (laughs) I don't know where they'd get that crazy idea from. (laughs) And now that that was the theme when they were looking at the pictures, I think. It's it's when they're in the hotel. (sighs) And this whole scene looked so set up. I mean, it was really like, of course, they had to like reenact moments or talk about stuff for cam- for the camera and for Bravo. But this whole thing seemed so set up by them. Rehearsed. Yeah, I mean, I think they kind of had to go into it with some sort of game plan. But I think what Tarek forgets course, yeah. is that Mikhail isn't as skillful as of a liar as he is <laughs> and i think he forgot that like his partner in crime is kind of stupid so where he can orchestrate all of these grand lies and these schemes she's not as comfortable as doing uh, doing that and you can tell she's like yeah <laughs> biden was so gracious and wonderful like she like can't even and won't even address the fact that they might have crashed the party when, like, the two of them know they crashed the party. Oh. God, oh, God. So then it gets to the point where editing starts doing, like, dramatic dates on screen. And so we get to Thursday, November 26th, so two days after the event. And we're in Stacey and JC's home, and they are looking at the cover of the Washington Post, which is a major newspaper. And they're just, like, laughing together at how Mikhail and Tarek have made the front page, how, like, this has become, like, a major news story. You know, they um, – I'm trying to see what – so Stacey and Jason obviously are like, these two are full of shit. It's not really surprising that this happened. Again, they had crashed the Black Caucus dinner a few months before. So it, they're not, you know, unaware that the two of them have the capacity to do this. Uh, so that was kind of like the first reaction we get from all the ladies. And then Stacy calls Kat and Kat basically is like, they're full of shit. Like, what? Were we ever? Cat is furious. Cat is absolutely furious. I was like, I I told you from the beginning. They're fakes, they're phonies, and here we have it. She clocked them pretty early on. I think even at like the polo event where she was like, Pinky Promise. Cat was like, Who the fuck is this woman? Pinky (laughs) promising me to go horseback riding. Like, no. Right. So we then get to Stacy's house where Linda and Mary come over and they're all kind of anxious and talking about the crashing situation. They were saying how this has tarnished the reputation of the state dinner and how nobody actually was talking about the state dinner. They were just talking about the crashing. 
they talked about how the White House is now going to have to spend time, money, and resources on investigating this whole debacle, like this whole debacle, and how they're now going to hopefully use the two of them as an example for other people to realize like this isn't okay. Like you can't be doing this. I mean, granted, what repercussions did they have to face? Like they both got away scot-free other than like the public shaming aspect, but. Yeah. One would think they would go to jail or whatever. In the book, they kind of implied that Tarek's dad was in the CIA. They loosely said it in one sentence and it kind of made me think that Life is full of what-ifs, some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry, and some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs, no deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Tarek might have some pulls in the government that are like very, very high up to kind of make it so they kind of didn't get in trouble in a way. And I don't know, it just, it seems really odd that they wouldn't have to face any sort of true repercussions other than like public humiliation. (laughs) Well, maybe they even thought that is actually enough because I mean... 11 years later, we're still talking about it. (laughs) And And nothing has changed. They're still idiots. 100%. Full full on idiots. Um, And then they had a scene where it cuts to them talking to Matt Lauer about the situation. And honestly, it's shocking that Matt Lauer would end up being the biggest criminal out of the three of them. Like, (laughs) (laughs) oh my God. Like, oh, God, it's so embarrassing. And the thing I hate about them is that, I mean, it's a point that Kat's husband ends up bringing up later in the show, but they got exactly what they wanted. They wanted attention and they wanted, you know, notoriety, which like isn't necessarily a good thing. But I think when you're so desperate for fame and attention and to be acknowledged, bad press is good press in their eyes. And they didn't even see it as like, a negative. I think they were excited, like, oh my goodness, look, we're going to make a Barbie doll. We're going to make a tell-all book. We're going to do all these crazy cool things with our new fame. You know, they made a verb out of crashing something. People call it salahid. Like, that's not funny. Like, that's embarrassing. How do you live with yourself? Yeah, yeah they, they live in their own little bubble and they don't understand that it's not good to get bad press. It actually isn't good. And also, it's not bad press because, you know, they were in an interview and they said something off color and it wasn't inappropriate. And, you know, it's not press like that. It's like a a scandal. Like this was a 
scandal. <laughs> like that they did knowingly and aired and did it on television too. Like the nerve, the nerve to be like, we're going to also bring a camera crew. <laughs> I know, they were so sure of themselves. I do kind of think though that um, Mikhail maybe didn't know the plan to a full extent, the plan of the crushing or that she maybe really thought they were invited. Because then later on, when the women are watching the trial and they're showing or they're showing parts from uh, news shows from from the state dinner and they're showing the part where they walk in, you can see how um, Tarek wants to rush past the paparazzi, past the photographers, but Mikhail pulls him back. She wants to take the picture. So I kind of feel like she might didn't really know what they were doing. Because you would think, yeah, he wants to go really fast so nobody will see that they're there. Totally. And I think that probably happened a lot in their relationship. I was reading in this book, like, when they had met, she was 35, living with her parents. You know, she didn't have this life. She never drank before him. She, like, knew the guy, Neil, who she's married to now from journey so she clearly had like a fun past and she was a pageant girl and had all these modeling gigs and so she was you know used to a kind of certain lifestyle and so i think when she met Tarek, he probably found a vulnerability and a and a weakness in her that she needs someone to guide her she needs that man to kind of make the decisions and and that's a really attractive thing i love when men make decisions so i don't have to do things however when you allow a man to make those decisions, you are implicitly trusting that they're going to have the best interest in you and in him. But for him, he was just so obsessed with his ego and, you know, parties and these big events and these big names and these diplomats and all this travel and all this stuff. When it's like, dude, you were broke the whole time. You never had a vineyard that was really successful. You know, all of these people aren't your friends. You guys had 1800 people at your wedding. (laughs) did you like i literally think they put an ad on craigslist and we're like hey does anyone want to come to an event we're gonna have a big dinner you just have to pretend you have to sit on either side of the church and pretend like you know us you're my second cousin you're my old babysitter from growing up like you know i feel like they just like made all of these fake things even like 1800 people like that is crazy that is ridiculous I mean, you can kind of understand why they're broke then if they invited that many people. But come to think of it, they're actually the original Dorit and PK. The original, yeah, yeah, the original Dorit and PK, the original, well, I guess Joe and Teresa, they were like different kinds of felons. But yeah, PK and Dorit are similar. And now that I'm thinking about it, that is terrifying. Wow. They're going to open up and go to Beppo. Around who knows what's to come on Beverly Hills. <laughs> Next season on Beverly Hills Housewives, Dorit's and Asari, like <laughs> going to the Buco de Beppo opening. <laughs> Crashing the Buco de Beppo opening. <laughs> oh my God. So then we get to the scene where, well, I guess there's just like a quick little thing. We get scenes where Kat is then talking about how she got disinvited from the White House Christmas party because of her association with Mikhail. She was devastated because she's waited two years to meet Obama. Like, 
why did it take two years? <laughs> like, if your husband sees him all the time, it seems like... But she was obviously really yeah, upset. it was a little that. weird. I mean, I would be upset as well. But yeah, you would think that, like, especially her husband won an award for the picture he took of Obama on election night, that she kind of would have met him at some point. I don't know. Obama also, like, seems like he'd come to your backyard for a barbecue. You know, obviously, like, it's a little different when you're a president and, like, you can't do anything (laughs) without, like, Secret Service and every person at the party having a background check before. But, like, it seems like a, a good time guy where he would be totally open, willing, and wanting to meet the man who photographs his, him constantly, his wife. Like, it just seems like it would be natural. Yeah. But but Kat then a month later. So we fast forward. That scene was on December 3rd. Fast forward to January 13th. And it's Kat and Charles again talking about how there's like a lot of tension in their marriage because of what happened with Mikhail. And I don't think that that was the reason that they were having tension. I think that was like the straw that broke the camel's back. I think that was like yeah. the where he was like, you know, I know you already came on this show and that was a point of contention because who the fuck wants their life, you know, exploited on the television. And he did have like a high profile job. And like in nowadays, like no, I, nowadays I think people know to not go on a housewife show if like you or your husband have something you care about, whether it's like your marriage or your job or something. But like, there is a lot of repercussions that come from you know, being on a show like this. And I think in the beginning, it wasn't really like that, especially DC. Like, it was a new franchise. It wasn't billed as the Real Housewives of DC. It was billed as, like, something, Insiders of Washington or something. So it wasn't billed as a housewife show, which automatically, I think, <laughs> adds a little bit of muck and, like, <laughs> you know, messiness to, you know, people's lives <laughs> as I'm trying to make a career out of talking about the messiness in said lives. <laughs> so Charles basically nails the situation he was like they got exactly what they wanted their fame and attention seeking whores and you know there's nothing they can really do about it um but then we also see one other scene where she's like chopping potatoes and she's like god I wish these knives were sharper (laughs) I'm like okay (laughs) she's like why won't you just sharpen the knives you do nothing and he was like, um, bitch, you were at Saks all day long today. Like, now you're cutting a potato. Like, chill. Like, you don't have a bad life. <laughs> so, that was another moment. Ooh. So, a little tension. Keeps the spark alive. <laughs> <laughs> so, then we fast forward a week later to January 20th. And Kat, Mary, Linda, and Paul are watching the congressional hearing, basically like the Super Bowl. All of them were like red skinettes, you know, cheering <laughs> like motherfuckers when anything was happening during this congressional meeting. So this was a crazy thing to see that the two of them are now having to testify in front of Congress, all of these, you know, professionals in Congress talking to them asking them questions, saying, you know, basic questions. Did you attend this dinner? Did you receive an invite? Did they verify your name on the security list? And Tarek and Mikhail found a way to respectfully remain silent to all 32 questions asked. Pussies. Crazy. Crazy. And then especially at some point, one of them is asking Mikhail a question where you're like, you can't remain silent. He asked her if she is in court right now or right there or something. 
are you here? And it's like, this is a, answer, a question you have to answer. You can't remain silent. And they still play the, I will remain silent card. One person asked them, Tarek, did you wear a tuxedo to the event knowing that you weren't invited? Respectfully remain silent. It is just, it is a joke. So then this one guy who I didn't write any of their names down because like, you guys are, you know, only accomplished politicians. And on this show, we only talk about. (laughs) Edwina Rogers. Yeah. If you're Edwina Rogers, then I might have respected you a little bit more. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. I follow Edwina on Instagram. She is the biggest train wreck. I would implore everybody to go follow Edwina. She's probably going to be like, why don't I get a thousand new followers in a day? It's because this is now an Edwina (laughs) Rogers appreciation podcast. (laughs) Every episode, we'll talk about one Instagram photo for approximately 45 minutes, which, like, her outfits are so incredible. I'm I'm like, I've got to do a bonus episode on Edwina. (laughs) Subscribe to my new YouTube channel. It's all about Edwina. Mr. Lundgren, I don't know, I don't know why I wrote his full name, basically said to have engaged in conduct to undermine the protection of our president. You know, the Constitution protects fools, stupidity, um, and errant thought, basically saying, like, somehow you fools have the ability to remain silent, and it's showing that you guys are fools. Like, the inability to respond and, you know, the unwillingness to comply, if anything, just shows how guilty they are. (laughs) If you didn't lie about getting invited in the entire situation, then what's the issue? Just yeah. answer the questions. Exactly. I mean, yeah, it's it's completely not understandable. <laughs> it's like, but it, it made me want to get C-SPAN. Because like how they were watching them. <laughs> I was like, God, I want to get C-SPAN. I want to watch shit like that all day long. I'm telling you, C-SPAN will put you to sleep almost immediately. I feel <laughs> like this was probably the highest rated thing on C-SPAN in the century (laughs) like i'm telling you nothing on c-span i've like i don't even i mean i'm so ignorant i don't have cable so i don't really watch the news but if i was going to watch the news c-span is a hard no (laughs) (laughs) so then the questions start going to mikhail and it's the same thing like they basically she just remains silent for everything and so all the ladies are watching this together and just freaking the fuck out this is their friend this is their this is their co-worker someone that they've hung out with is now being grilled by congress because of a party crash (laughs) that's like bravo to a t (laughs) just the most ridiculous situation you could ever kind of think about it was just amazing like we haven't seen anything like that on on any of the housewife shows before this was like thing that actually has happened the death of taylor armstrong's husband was later yeah annabelle nielsen from ladies of london dying well that was even after the show and stuff but like this was the first uh, i mean a table flip in a restaurant yeah i mean it was an amazing moment back then on jersey but this was actually a really big thing I mean, it was a national scandal. Exactly. People knew about it who weren't fans of the show. And this was happening 
or happened before the show even aired. So it did create a lot of buzz for when the show was coming out. But Mary actually went on David's podcast and was saying after the crashing, they brought all the ladies back to do all new testimonials and they re-edited the entire season to pretty much make it about this being like the final episode and like the big, you know, you know, climax of the show, which of course, how are you not going to go back and edit it accordingly? Right, makes, makes sense. <laughs> and they makes had a, absolute. They just had a million opportunities that they showed their true colors, whether it's, you know, Paul's birthday where they didn't supply the wine, but then said they supplied the wine and then like sent a cease and desist to the party planner. <laughs> it's just such... Like, they go so out of their way to protect themselves on the back end when they could just do the thing that they promise on the front end and not ever have to deal with any of this bullshit. But the two of them see, like, short-term goals, and they see short-term, I'm going to get invited to that party, and I'm going to host this party. They don't see, like, the long-term repercussions of their actions. It doesn't make sense to me that two grown adults could be so blind. The biggest train wreck to watch it literally was a train wreck. Loved it. Loved it. <laughs> I loved every moment of that train crash. <laughs> so Linda's basically saying all of this happened to Mikhail because she met Tarek and he kind of manipulated her into this kind of life. And, you know, we've been saying that on the show for the past 11 hours that he was, a manipulate- he was manipulating her into, you know, believing that this was the life that they were living and the types of events that they would get invited to. And Linda's like, she just has to leave him, take her makeup off, start eating and leave him. And Paul is like, you know what? That's easier said than done. She's just been shamed publicly. She can't go back to Nordstrom and get her job at the makeup counter. She can't do anything. So if she leaves him, she will literally have nothing. She'd go back to living with her parents. So he was saying like, it's kind of not fair for you to throw stones, especially Linda coming from someone who married very well and left him and was able to get a lot of money. If Mikhail left Tark, she'll end up with his debt and like residual mommy issues, like that's it, you know, and a bad reputation. Granted, now she's like living in a mansion in the hills outside of San Francisco with, you know, the guitarist of Journey. So somehow Mikhail ended up on top and like, I'm going to kill myself. Like, ow, ow. <laughs> oh my God. So that kind of fast forwards to a scene where people are basically saying, where Stacey's basically going to say, I'm going to confront them. I'm going to invite them over. It's going to be the first time we see them in the new year. And we're just going to try to have like a nice conversation. All the other ladies are basically like, fuck that. I am not going. I'm not associating with her. I'm not filming another scene with her. And then Kat, our (laughs) sacrificial lamb, was like, I will come in (laughs) and I will like, you know, just ruin these people judgment day (laughs) truly so we see Kat arriving at Stacey and Jason's house earlier than Tarek and Mikhail and then the two of them show up you know lovey lovey huggy huggy like everybody's happy hunky dory good times and then they walk into the living room where Kat is sitting and she has her back turned to them and it was so funny when Jason said uh, you guys remember Kat, right? <laughs> like, they've been to 30 parties. Kat has been to your vineyard. You've, like, done all of these events with her. Like, come on. Come on. So, 
they basically sit there and, you know, they talk about Tark losing some weight. You know, Jason's like, Mikhail, you probably shouldn't lose any weight or you actually may pass away. Like, don't lose weight. They're just making pleasant chit-chat and Kat isn't saying a word. Kat is pissed the fuck off and you know, like, watching her, you just know it's going to blow. You know, you know it's going to be bad. So... They are all acting like nothing's happening. And then Kat just gets so fed up. She gets up basically about to leave and just says to them, like, you guys are the most artificial and fake people that I've ever met. And you're an absolute disgrace to America. (laughs) (laughs) Boom. Boom. And then, then Kat leaves. She leaves and you know she's ripping cigs outside, just like calling everybody in London being like, my god, these f- fucking trash Americans. <laughs> so, Jason then, then obviously Mikhail and Tark are, you know, on defense and they start getting nervous and Mikhail is like walking around and pacing and being like, I don't get it, I don't get it. And Jason's like, yeah, you know, Cat, like, <laughs> it was actually really funny. He was like, Cat was rude. You know, she was slightly rude. And then he goes, Actually, she was very rude, um, but she wasn't wrong. <laughs> She's not. Then Mikhail is like, you know, I'm not going to take her abuse. Kat actually then, I think Kat left after saying that and then came back because then Mikhail was like, I'm not going to take your abuse. You need to be a lady. You need to act like a lady. Kat is like, go fucking scratch. Like, get away. <laughs> you are such a joke. I loved it though how quiet Kat kept. Like she was very level-headed. She didn't start screaming or anything. She just told them the fake as fuck, a disgrace to America, and just walked away. I mean, at a certain point, I think she felt like, you know, I'm not getting anywhere with these two. And Andy felt that on the reunion, which we'll talk about shortly, but... Andy, you could even tell, was like, we are talking in circles. Like, we are not getting anywhere. What is even the point? How am I supposed to even have conversations with you two if you won't even for once accept a modicum of responsibility for the things you've done or said or anything? It's always everybody else's fault. They are professional victims in every situation, and they deserve a medal for it. So Kat leaves, not fully, but she goes outside to catch her breath. And now Stacy and Jason, who are somewhat level-headed and have always been kind to Mikhail and Tark, and, you know, they went to Paris together, whatever, and they begin to kind of press them, being like, we got to talk about it. Like, we're friends. Like, what's going on? And Mikhail, like, puts on her little jacket and is like, we're going. We can't talk about that. And it's, it's surprising that Mikhail and Tark would even agree to go to this evening at their home because of course they're going to bring it up of course they're going to do this and it was also in their little twisted minds they they didn't think that far (laughs) what you said earlier like they don't think of the repercussions and of things in the long run they just think for the moment i think it was the same with that they were like oh Oh, we're going to film a little more. Yeah, of course we're going to (laughs) come. We'll talk about Tark's weight loss, um, (laughs) our book, like whatever bullshit thing. And also, they had stopped filming a very long time before they did this scene and all the other scenes of the ladies 
you know, talking about the test, the congressional hearing, whatever. So they knew this was coming. And rather than preparing, I don't even think Tart could have been like, hey, Mikhail, we're going to go in with this little script. We're going to kind of go with this route. This is what we're sticking to and this is what we're going by. Because he was trying to lie to her in addition to like the whole, you know, U.S. government and everybody else watching that like he couldn't even make a plan with her because that would tip her off that he was a fraud. And even that was something he couldn't do. Even he couldn't like tell his own wife that and and she refused to and, and and you could tell like she was so sensitive to what they were saying and it obviously struck a nerve because it's true and she you know freaked out and just immediately left and then the two of them ended up running out the back door <laughs> like what happened in the front door yeah, actually probably, they probably yeah, knew cat was out front <laughs> well and then probably thought they called the police <laughs> The police is outside waiting for us. It's like, no, Tark, only your mom calls the cops on you. (laughs) (laughs) So at this point, they storm out, Stacey and Jason and Kat kind of reconvene inside and have another glass of wine and are all just like, the fuck? They basically say the S of Salahi seems for shameless scum. (laughs) And that is how the season ends, which is just... It is just such a great nine episode season. And it is a total shame that they weren't able to get any additional seasons. But I was hearing in David's thing that Mary was saying that during all of this was the time that I think Comcast was buying NBC or vice versa. I can't remember. So there was like a big acquisition about to happen. But Bravo, a major network on NBC, was being, you know, brought into this major lawsuit, having to do all of this, you know, work behind the scenes and work with the government to make sure that they weren't complicit in what was happening. Because at a certain point, Bravo started getting the blame, like, oh, you guys knew what was happening. You knew there was crashing. You knew that this was not going to be good. Where Bravo was like, no, you know, you trust your stars to tell the truth, especially about a fucking party and like an event. Like, and you could tell during the salon scenes because they did break the fourth wall where the producer was asking them questions and you saw that. You could tell the producers were like, this isn't real. This is not real. This is not real. And I couldn't even imagine like being that producer and getting to the point where you're like, oh my God. Oh my God, they are not invited. And then when they like say, bye, like at the end of the night, like after they drop them off at the front gate, you know, where they're like, okay, well, yeah, they got in. I guess this was real. And the next morning, yeah. <laughs> a little bit different. What's in the no, papers? Uh, <laughs> it was such a good season. It was too short, but then on the other side, you think like, oh my God, can I, could I handle 10 more episodes of the Salahi hijacked in the show? But that reunion is my go-to reunion whenever I have nothing else left to watch. When I'm bored, when I'm super hungover, this reunion is the best thing I've ever seen. Like they're really taking them down. Basically. Guys, what a fun episode. Part five was of anger as per usual. So be sure to tune in next week for part six, which is reunion recap. Hell yeah, baby. And 
actually next week is going to have two bonus episodes. There's going to be the Vanderpump Rules reunion outfit fashion police episode which is going to be youtube based so make sure you're subscribing to my goddamn youtube channel i am doing a bribe if you go to the link in my bio on instagram or the link in this show notes anywhere you can find the goddamn link but there's a really fun giveaway with a ton of great swag from bravo creators on etsy want to support other women okay so go there, subscribe, check out my little channel. But yeah, next week is going to have two bonus episodes. There's going to be part six, which is the final part of DC. And hey, this was a labor of love, but I'm really excited to not work on it anymore. Next deep dive is High Society, Tinsley Mortimer's show. So start watching that now. I don't know where you can watch that, but Google, thank you. And that's going to be with Liz O'Malley from Vanderpump Jewels, who is an absolute genius. I'm so excited to speak with her. So yeah, tune in for more fun stuff. We got a lot of good shit coming out of Bravo happy hour content cow. So yeah, thanks for listening and have a great Memorial Day weekend. Bye.